Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. If this is your first time here with us, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad you've joined us for worship this morning. We are coming to the end of a sermon series on our discipleship pathway. Um, the discipleship pathway is kind of a road course of growing in our faith uh, in Jesus. Uh, we are developing this and have developed this so that uh, if you're brand new to church and you walked through the doors um, that first week, there would be a starting point for you. Or if you've been in the church your entire life, you've known Jesus your whole life, and um, there would be a starting point for you as well. Somewhere, you know, right in between, you can just jump on this discipleship pathway. The idea is taking people who maybe have never heard of Jesus all the way to being a missionary, like a Jen Srail, who's with us today. So we're developing that and have developed that. Um, to help people grow in their faith, to be discipled. So we're in the section called Go. Uh, it starts out, Know, Grow, and Go. It's knowing God, coming to know God and know other believers. It's growing in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. And it's going in the power of the Spirit with others. There's this vertical and horizontal relationship that happens consistently through this. And this discipleship pathway isn't a destination. It is cyclical in that it continues to happen over and over as we grow and go and know God more and more. So we can never come to know everything there is to know about God. His depths and His wisdom are just unsearchable. It is amazing. We're never going to arrive at this perfect knowledge of God until Jesus comes and we see Him face to face. So this life, this journey, is knowing God more and more as we we go, then growing in our faith, growing in our faith in God, that we work out our faith, as the Bible tells us, in fear and trembling, and we, we study God's Word, and we do that with other believers. We do it here on Sunday mornings, as we open God's Word together. We do it in our community groups as we meet throughout the week, and we do it in one-on-one -on -one discipleship, which we've been talking about the last couple of weeks here. So it's really exciting. We're going to get to talk about going, going in the power of the Spirit, with other believers. I love this topic. I was really excited to share this. And so we're going to be talking about evangelism, kind of our, our topic for the day. So many things in our world today challenge the idea of real, vulnerable relationship. Ever since the conception of the internet, our world has become smaller and smaller, and our relationships have become shallower and shallower. It's, it's amazing to see the difference in human relationships in just 50 years. If we were just to go back and look at human history, we would see in our lifetime one of the most pivotal changes in human relationship in all of human history. It is the disconnection of human relationship in vulnerability, accountability, and true deep relationship. These things have become so difficult. It's so much easier to jump on Facebook or Instagram, or jump on some video game and talk to people who we call our dearest friends but have never met face to face. It's, it's extremely challenging. But as we read God's Word, and you've heard me say this over and over again, it is impossible for us to ignore the one another commands that God gives us. And these one another commands that God gives us, they necessitate intimate relationship with other believers that we would have real conversations, hard conversations, that there would actually be confrontation in our relationships. When we see one another struggling, that we would call each other on it, that we would walk with each other through it, 
that we would pray for one another as we go. And so we have a real challenge set before us. But God commands it and God empowers it that we would grow in relationship with Him and go in, relation, in the power of the Spirit with other believers. So no grow and go. Our discipleship pathway is all about those kinds of relationships. Today, we're going to look at go. Evangelism. So I've kind of pared it down to three different things in evangelism. If you think about it in like a funnel type idea, the top of the funnel would be outreach. Outreach. It's kind of those first touches. And the way that we talk about outreach here at Mission View Church is that we want to show God's love in practical and tangible ways. It's as simple as going out and maybe in the drive through line at Chick-fil-A. It's everybody's favorite fast food restaurant, right? Or it looks like it is anyways. You have to get in line for about, a, you know, it's three, three lines around the building there. You get in that third line and you finally make it up. I don't know how they can do three lines in five minutes. I, I don't, it still amazes me. But you get up there and, and you pay for the car behind you and just say, hey, I'm just trying to show God's love in a practical way. It's, it's simple things like that. It's uh, planting seeds, you know. We're just, we're hoping that as we show God's love in practical ways that it impacts people's lives and, and maybe they respond differently to the next Christian they meet. Maybe that next Christian gets the opportunity to share the gospel or, or even maybe we get an opportunity doing these small, small acts of kindness in the love of God. The second one, and this is really where we're going to live today and talk about today, is evangelism. And I call it lifestyle evangelism, or my newly made-up pastor word of levangelism. That was Joe's favorite takeaway from our pre-service work here. No, he actually, he hated that word. But levangelism, it's, it's actually, as we go and live out our lives, we are a kind of living example of the love of God, and we're sharing God's love wherever we go. 80% of all evangelism happens in that. Let that sink in for just a second. 80% of evangelism happens in relationship as we go and are living out our Christian lives. And the last one is missions. Missions is invasive. It's going out on purpose, for a purpose, somewhere in our country, somewhere in our world where God is calling us and invading that space just like Jen is doing. Praise God that we're partnering with her, that we are going out on the missions field, invading that space, you know, calling the kingdom of God that it would be here and now for the people that God has called us to. But like I said, we're going to be talking about this lifestyle evangelism, the as-we-go evangelism. Now, go is the last step of our pathway, but like I said, it's cyclical. And it's, it's really important, I think, when we first meet Christ and we enter that pathway, it's this knowing God. I don't know about you, but when, I, when God invaded my space and changed my life, it was... I mean, just miraculous. I, I went from completely self-centered, sinning, you know, horrible self-centered person to this, this God-centered person. It was, it was a complete and utter paradigm shift um, from going from darkness to light, from, from not knowing to knowing my creator. It was so life-changing. I, I wanted everyone I knew to, to, to find out about this. Like, I was so excited. I was like, I had no idea life could be like this. I had no idea there was forgiveness. I had no idea there was grace and mercy and hope and strength and power in the gospel. And, and that God revealed that to me and changed me in such a dramatic way that I just wanted to tell everyone I knew about it. All my family members, 
all of my neighbors. And in fact, I got to the point where I, I went to a, a church and heard somebody preaching. And I was like, man, he gets to share the gospel, the good news every week. That's what I want to do. And I ended up in seminary and I ended up, and here I am today. But we, we, we start out with this excitement and this power and this just life changed, and we want to tell everybody about it. And, and then we, we get into God's Word, and we're just eating it up and reading it every day and meditating on it and trying to memorize it and everything. And we're learning all this stuff, just soaking it in. It's like a fire hydrant, right? As you're first knowing Christ, it's just like drinking out of a fire hydrant, just drowning in this depth of the knowledge of who God is, the Holy Spirit, His Son Jesus, who He was, how He lived, and you're just eating it up and everything else. And here's the big struggle that I've seen over the last 24 years in churches and in the Christian walk is, is we get really excited and we start to, to share our faith and then we dive into the depths of theology and doctrine and we get really excited about that because we're learning so much and it's changing us. But it, it kind of slows down. And, and we get into these deep theological discussions and studies, which are all good, don't, don't get me wrong here, really good things. But we, we get into this, you know, we're in this core Bible study group with four other ladies or six other guys and we're you know we're in it you know we're talking about hermeneutics and eschatology and ecclesiology and we're just soaking it all in and just you know it's really great and we're excited but we're we're so caught up in that good thing that we forget that 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 God changed our lives and we were not sharing that life change as much as we were in the beginning and I've seen it over and over and over and over again in, in people's lives and in the church that the greatest struggle, the hardest thing for churches today, and I think throughout all of history, is to remain missional. That we would be a people on fire with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We would be so changed by it that we would live it out constantly, consistently, every day, every week, every year, living it out, living, living evangelism. That is the greatest struggle, Mission View Church, we have today. That you and I would be a people on fire and passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we look back at our lives and we just say, thank you, God. Thank you for changing me. And if you can change me, you can change anybody. Amen? Amen. As we build our building, I, I, I'm so excited. It's, uh, if you get a chance to drive by the building, it doesn't look like it looked six months ago. Thank God. Um, it looks amazing. Uh, the steel is going up in the building. Um, the floors are getting poured probably this week, concrete. You can see it all coming together. I'm so excited about Project Base Camp that we're going to have a base camp to send out pastors to plant churches, a base camp to send out missionaries to our world and third world countries, to other places and see the gospel proliferate in those kinds of ways. But I want to remind us that the building is not the goal. The building is not the end all. The building isn't where it stops. The building is where it begins. We're building this so that we can have this base camp. The idea of base camp, just if you didn't know, is if you're going to you know, go out up Mount Everest, you don't just go up Mount Everest. It takes months to summit Mount Everest. And you have different base camps along the way to where your body can acclimate to the altitude. You have to, your body has to acclimate to get ready to do this kind of thing. That's what our building means. That's what base camp means. This is going to be a place where pastors and missionaries will come in as 
drug addicts or people who don't know Jesus. And they come and they meet Jesus and they acclimate to the kingdom of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And as God does the work in them, we teach and train them and, and pray over them and worship with them and then send them out to share the gospel, plant a church, or be a missionary. That's what this building means for us. It is a base camp that keeps us on mission, not the end of our mission. Staying missional is a key for us. And doctrine, we are all about doctrine here at Mission View Church. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong here. We love God's word, and we want to stay true to God's word. But what I want to say to you this morning is this. True and pure doctrine is a life lived out of love for Jesus. Let that sink in. True and pure doctrine is a life lived out of love for Jesus. If we're studying this book and learning big words like hermeneutics and eschatology, and that's not inspiring us to, sp to share the gospel with our neighbors, then stop. Go share the gospel with your neighbors. Everything we study, everything we work towards, everything we're going after has to be fueled, inspired, and compelled and propelled by the good news of Jesus Christ and the change that he's made in our lives. The gospel is central to everything that we do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. This is the key to Christian obedience. It's the key to the Christian life. The more we love the Lord, the more we will be compelled to obedience and sharing the gospel, being the missional people he has called us to be. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Well, man, I'm excited about this sermon. I don't know if you can tell or not. Just a little bit. Let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and every day. God, we acknowledge and submit to the truth of your word right now. God, that you would come and change us as we hear the truth, that your Holy Spirit would bring these words to life, that it would take deep root in our hearts and our lives and change us for your glory and for your kingdom. Come and have your way, Father. I surrender to you right now. Give me the words to share and the way to share them, that you would be most glorified and we would be changed for your kingdom and glory. We surrender to you, Father. I surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a super popular text. Matthew 28, 16 to 20 is the Great Commission. Jesus' last was marching orders to the apostles, to us today, to the church today, to Christians today. Every church gets their mission statement. Every Christian Bible-believing church, I should say, gets their mission statement from this scripture right here. Every church's mission is the same. Make disciples. Now, every church's vision is different because God is creative and he gives all of us different visions to go after. Praise the Lord. That's why every church doesn't look the same. But God's word says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first thing I want us to really take note of in this great commission is this. And it's first fill-in in your notes. As you came in, you should have received a program. You can 
kind of take some notes in there and follow along, fill in the blanks. The first one is this. Jesus sits on the throne over heaven and earth. Jesus sits on the throne over heaven and earth. Man, that's good news. That is really good news. That means Jesus has won. That means Jesus has all authority. We go and share the gospel on the authority and command of the one who rules the universe. That means that it doesn't rest on me and you. We just have to be obedient to share the gospel. People coming to Christ isn't dependent on you. We are not the power. We are the vessels. The message and, and God the Holy Spirit are the power. We share because we have been changed, and that change compels us to share. And we believe that change can happen in others because Jesus sits on the throne over heaven and earth. If God can change me, he can change anyone. No one is outside the reach of the grace of God. There is no sin more powerful than the blood that Jesus shed for you and me. And when he says he has authority, it's not some limited, temporary, earthly authority. It is eternal, all-powerful, and all-encompassing power. And Jesus will never fall from power or relinquish it. He sits outside of time in eternity, and he is never surprised or shocked or at a loss for words. Jesus is all-powerful. We go with confidence that he will do what he wants to do. How many people here believe that today? Jesus is going to do what he wants to do. Is that dependent on your holiness? Is that dependent on you saying something? Is that dependent on you memorizing every verse in here? Is it dependent on you being a good person? No. God is God in spite of you. God will do what he wants to do in spite of you. That doesn't mean that as we look at the grace and glory of God in the good news of Jesus Christ that we don't do something. In fact, it's the opposite. When I recognize God's sovereignty in all things, his power in all things, I am more excited to share the gospel. And I do it unashamedly. I'm like, man, Jesus is awesome. He's done all this in my life. He could do the same for you. Run to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He's the best thing ever. He loves you. God loves you. Man, if God is sovereign, if God's all-powerful, if we truly believe that, we're going to be sharing it with everybody. Because we believe God will do what he wants to do. And he will. The other thing about this is that he tells us to do it. Not only is God sovereign and all-powerful and sitting on the throne above heaven and earth and will accomplish his will no matter what, that creator God, that all-powerful Jesus sitting on the throne, commands us to do it, to go and make disciples, to go and tell the story of the good news. What is that story? What is that good news? It is the life change in you that Jesus came and met with me in my sin and brokenness and changed me. I want us just to take a minute and remember that moment. Do you remember the moment that Jesus met you? Where were you? 
What were you doing? Who was it? Who was it that shared Jesus with you? We didn't deserve it. There was nothing in our lives that we had done that would merit that kind of grace or mercy. There is nothing we could do or would do that would cause us to deserve that kind of love. That's Jesus. That's the God we serve. And that compels us to share this good news. In verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Rightly interpreted from the Greek, this renders, As you are going. That's where I get my evangelism word. As you are going, as you are living out your life, as you're just going about your life. Point two, fill in in your notes. As you are going, make disciples. That's our mission here at Mission View Church. Simply said, make disciples. I always say, we got one job. <laughs> God gave us one job. Make disciples. How are we doing? How are we doing? There's a couple things I want us to, to look at here in this short little part. The first one is this. The as you are going idea means that as we go in the power of the Spirit, that means as we go and God is changing us through the power of His Holy Spirit, that big church word we hear all the time, sanctification, which basically means change, as we are going, that our lives are going to look different than the lives of those around us who don't have Jesus, who don't have the Holy Spirit changing them and growing them and, and bringing a sweet conviction to them as the Holy Spirit does to you and I. Our lives lived out for Christ are meant to look different than the world, than those who are in the world that don't have Jesus. That's why the Bible tells us not to judge those outside the church. They don't have the Holy Spirit like we do. That's why we're to judge those in the church, but not judge those outside the church. Because people outside the church don't have the Holy Spirit changing them and growing them like we do. We're to hold one another accountable, but we can't hold a world accountable that doesn't have the Holy Spirit to the, the commands of God. Our lives should look different that as you are going, as we go out into the workplace, you should look different than your coworker. You should respond differently than your coworker. You should talk differently than your coworker. You should look different than your coworker in these ways because God has changed us. We don't come into contact with the creator of the universe and walk away the same person we were. You don't live in relationship with the creator of the universe and stay the same. It is impossible. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be times in this journey of Christianity, and we've talked about this before, that sanctification, this change that God does in us, it is, it is sometimes it's, it's three steps forward and, and one step back. And sometimes it's, you know, five steps forward, and then like, whoa, four steps back. And that, that journey, our journey in Christianity has these ups and downs, these ebbs and flows, and that's okay. But what I'm saying is, is, as time goes by, if you're looking five years back in the past, your life should look quite a bit different today than it did five years ago. As God the Holy Spirit changes us and grows us, that change happens, and we start to look different than the world. I mean, 
my life changed so much that I, even the music I listened to changed. You know, I'm, I'm driving around my car and, and my playlist went from like ACDC and Van Halen, which I love ACDC and Van Halen, to like the modern worship recordings. Go ahead, laugh. It's okay. I'm your pastor, right? I'm listening to like worship music 24-7 in my house. Hey, I shouldn't say Siri, but hey, you know, your name. Play today's worship music, right? That's what I do in my house, right? And it starts playing everywhere. Or we, we start doing things differently. We start using different language. You think I knew what hermeneutics was when I know? That's a weird, strange, odd word. I mean, I, I study Greek and Hebrew now. Like, what? You know, are, we start to say different things, do different things, because we want to know more about God. We're growing in our knowledge of Him. We're not just filling up our heads with knowledge for no reason. We're filling up and learning these things so that we can know God more. And if we're truly, truly knowing God more, we will be sharing God more. Do you hear me on that? If we truly are knowing God more and growing in our depth of knowledge of Him, we will share God more. So our lives will look different will sound different, will smell different when God changes us. And this makes those without Him recognize the difference. Our lives are marked by the Holy One and His grace and mercy at work within us moves us to pursue holiness. And it's not because we're just checking off boxes and, or trying to be a good person. It's because we're captivated by our Creator. It's not just a list of do's or don'ts. It's a relationship. It's this amazing relationship we have with God. Holiness isn't checking off all the right boxes. Holiness is the byproduct of spending time with the Holy One. Holiness is the byproduct of spending time with the Holy One. How different do we look how different do we look? I want us to ask, just ask yourself that question right now. How different do I look than the world today? How different do I sound? How differently do I respond than those around me? What or who are you passionately pursuing right now? What do you daydream about? Who do you daydream about? What's captivated you right now? God will not settle for 99% of your heart. God will not settle for 99% of your heart. He is a jealous God, and He will have every little speck of you. And He will not settle for anything less than 110% of who you are and what you are after. This is a warning. If you are not Passionately pursuing God with 110% of who you are, God will not stand for it. He will not stand for it. And you may be sitting out there thinking, I've been doing just fine, Pastor Matt. I've been doing just fine with my 97%. Let me just say it. He'll let you go for a little bit. And He'll even give you what you think you need. He'll give you your wants in order to reveal to you what you truly need. Don't let it go that far. 
Don't let it go that far. Remember the God who saved you, who invaded your life when you didn't deserve it. Go after him with everything that you have. Give him everything you have. That's what Christianity is meant to be. It was never meant to be this mediocre halfway thing. It is meant to be sold out all after 110% running after Jesus. My prayer is that we would be a church that says, God, use me up. Every bit of me, use me up. I don't want anything left. Use me up for your kingdom of God. Pray for the hard stuff. Go after the hard things. That's Christianity. That's what God has called us after. And he will not stand for anything less. Now, why, why would he not stand for anything less? Why is that so important? We're going to, we will, we will, if we are in relationship with Jesus like that, we will love like no one else because we've been loved like no one else. You following me on that? When we're in that kind of relationship with Jesus, when we're running after him like that, we're going to experience and understand the love of God like we never thought possible. And that means we will love like no one else because we're going to be loved like no one else. Do you really get that? The love that God has for you? Do you know how much he really loves you? In Ephesians 1, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Did you know? You have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose you in him before the foundations of the world. God chose you. Before he created anything, he chose you. That you should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined you for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Ladies, that means something. In this context, being a son means something. That means that you have an inheritance. That's why it doesn't say sons and daughters. Because in that context, only sons get an inheritance. He's not saying daughters aren't, aren't adopted. You are adopted, but you're adopted as a son, meaning you have an eternal inheritance with God. That is really, really good news, not just for the guys in the room, but for the ladies in the room. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Now get that. In him we have redemption. We have been redeemed through his blood. We have forgiveness of our trespasses, of our sins. We've been forgiven. Not because we're good. Not because we're going to do good. Not because we've earned it. Why? to the praise of his glorious grace. You are forgiven because God is gloriously gracious. That's our forgiveness. That's our redemption. Now get this. 
which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. That's how much God loves you. And just like Jesse said as we were worshiping today, that love that he's lavished on us, that grace that he's lavished on us because of who he is, isn't dependent on your performance. And that love he loves you with right now. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you less than he loves you right now. Thanks be to God who's decided to lavish on us his grace, forgiving us, redeeming us, uniting us in him, opening our eyes to his will, blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, choosing us, predestining us, being adopted as his children, holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. That is who you are, Mission View Church. That is the love of God. What a blessing and gift, this salvation from God in Christ Jesus. That's what needs to soak in. That's what we have to meditate on and wrap our minds around and let that be the fuel of our every day as we wake up in the morning and we go out through the day and before we go to bed in the evenings. That truth is what has to sink in. We don't deserve it, but God gives it anyway. He is good and he loves you. Maybe you're sitting here today or you're watching online. Maybe you've never heard that before. That you've been predestined. That before time began, God chose you. He knew your name. He had good things set aside for you to do. He knows you. Every, every sinful thought, every sinful deed you have done, he knew. Would, he knew beforehand. He was not up there shocked, thinking, oh my, oh myself, what am I going to do? with this guy or this girl. That's not what he's doing. He knew everything. And it was while you were sinning, while you were yet a sinner, Christ went to the cross for you. It's in that. That's the good news. He loves you. He says, believe on me. That the perfect life that is required to enter heaven. Perfection is required, not goodness. Only perfect people enter heaven. And we are made perfect only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Put your trust and faith in Jesus. He lived the perfect life none of us can live. And as we believe on him and trust in him and his perfection, when we go to heaven, God doesn't see our resume. He sees his son's. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Put your trust in Jesus today. Let's move on to the rest of our text. It says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The last fill-in is this. Baptize, teach, and know that God is with us. I love how Jesus kind of bookends this commission, this command, with him. It is like, let's, if we go back there, it's, let's, let's read that real quick again. I'm going to go back in my notes. Now the eleven went to, to the mountain. Jesus directed them. And when they saw him, worshipped him. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's like that's how he starts off, right? It's all about Jesus. 
I mean, he came as a baby in a manger, and he left as the king on the throne, man. I mean, it was like, this is who I am. And then he ends it with this last one, God is with us. He's with us. It is him, and it is him. The Great Commission, our mission as a church, is bookended by the power and presence of God. Now that's really awesome. Baptize, teach, and know that he is with us. Sharing the gospel brings fruit, not because we share it awesomely, not because we have all the right words to say, not because we know doctrine in and out and can use all these big words. The gospel brings fruit because God is God. That's it, man. All we have to do is just share the story, the good news of, of Jesus Christ. And God's going to do what he wants to do. And we baptize them and teach them. That means that we baptize people, which we do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they follow Jesus in baptism as they go under the water, a symbol of dying to themselves, being raised to new life as they come out of the water. And it's a celebration that we have together, a celebrating life's changed. And then we teach them. And this is where know, grow, and go becomes such a pivotal part of Mission View Church. That we are going to be willing to walk alongside you in the journey that God has you on. And walking alongside you is not me standing up here talking. Now it's a part of it. Me standing up here and sharing God's word with you is a part of walking alongside you. But true life-changing discipleship will happen in one-on-one relationship and in community groups as we gather together as the family of God. Because I'll just be honest with you. I don't know all of you personally. I don't know what you're going through, the the deep struggles that you're having in your life. And I I probably won't. So how do we do this? How do we be the church? You know, I've been studying lately is the book of Acts. Oh, man, what a great book to study. All this, the start of the church and everything else, I'm really preparing for our elders retreat. And I've been working my way through the book of Acts and and how the church started and began and, and what they did as they gathered together and, and shared their belongings and shared their lives. And I mean, it was, it was crazy stuff. But that's what we're called to do. That we would gather together in these small groups and homes, share a meal together and be real with each other, vulnerable, accountable relationship to live out the one another's that God's commanded us. Just two weeks ago, I shared the whole list with you confessing our sins to one another? Woo, wow. Who's real excited about that one? Anybody? No, it's hard stuff, right? The Bible's talking about real relationships. That's what he's called us to. You cannot, you cannot avoid it or get away from it. Makes, I mean, it makes, it's impossible. You just can't do it. God has called us to walk this journey together to hold each other accountable, to say the hard things, then walk through the hard things with one another. That's the journey curriculum and and what we're doing with this one-on-one discipleship I'm so excited about. All of us throughout our Christian journey should be discipling people. It's not, hey, I gotta learn all this stuff and be the smartest person in the room in order to disciple someone. Eh, Trust me, I'm reading Acts right now and studying it again for like the 10th time. You don't have to be a great theologian to disciple someone. Like, in fact, what happened in the New Testament is, like, guys would be visiting a town, like, say, you know, somebody's in Ephesus, and Paul's preaching, and they're like, oh, my goodness, Jesus died for my sins. That's great news. And he goes home, he shares that with his neighbor. You're not going to believe this. 
I was up in Ephesus. I heard this guy, Paul, talking, and he said that Jesus rose from the dead, and he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death for me and you, and if we believe on him, he's the Messiah, and he'll forgive our sins, we'll, go, we'll be able to go to heaven. The neighbor's like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? That's amazing. We should go tell our other neighbors. And next thing you know, in Philippi, there's this new church started. It wasn't started by the theologians, the apostles. It was started by the people who heard them for the first time. And then what happens is there's a hundred dudes in Philippi, and they're like, what are we doing? This Jesus guy is pretty good, but man, we should probably get Peter or Paul to show up here and tell us what's going on, because this is just crazy. This is out of control. And that's why we have all these epistles, these New Testament letters to these churches that were just out of control. They just needed some leadership. The church wasn't started by the disciples, the apostles. It was started by the Word of God. It was the message that they shared. That's why we have the church today all over the world. We are the church. You are the church. And God is calling us to live it out, to know Him, to know others, to grow in our relationship with Him and others, and to go in the power of the Spirit with others, sharing the good news, the change that God has done in you and me. If we really want to grow, if we want to grow in our lives, I think one of the best things we can do is disciple. Be a discipler. Share your faith. I'm going to share this last story in closing with you. I played guitar since I was about 9 or 10 years old. I loved playing guitar, enjoyed it, and I gave lessons for a long time. And I remember one of my first students when I was about 20, 20 years old, 19 years old, I was in Canada going through uh, worship school, and um, I wanted to help pay my way through, so I started giving guitar lessons. And I had this young girl come in for a guitar lesson, and she had never picked up a guitar before. And she comes in, and so I'm like going through these basic things, and she picks up the guitar. She says, my dad bought this for me about a year ago, and so I've been ha- you know, hammering on it and all this other stuff. And she picks up this guitar, and she lays it on her lap, and she starts playing it like a piano. And I'm like, that's not how you do it. But something dawned on me. As she was approaching the guitar, I was like, how does she make it sound like that? And she was doing what is called a hammering technique, which Eddie Van Halen just, you know, kind of made popular back in the 70s. So if anybody at hers has heard eruption from Van Halen, I had never seen or heard anything like that until this 15, 16-year-old girl did it right in front of me who had never heard of anything. And I I, I learned um, hammering technique from a 15-year-old. All that to be said, as you disciple, you will learn. There is, there is no better way to grow in your faith and learn new things than to sit down with a new believer or someone who's seasoned in their faith going back through the foundations of the faith with them. Pat was saying amen because Pat just went through the journey curriculum with someone. How many times have you gone through that and discipled someone with Pat? Six or seven times, right? You think he knows everything. Pat knows everything. No, he doesn't. As you go through these things, and you go through this, you learn just as much. In fact, you probably get more out of it than the people you're discipling. John, I'm sorry, he's the guy I'm discipling. He's in here somewhere. John, sorry, buddy, I got more out of it than you did. It was awesome. As we go through this and we grow together. Christian life, this is the takeaway. The Christian life, we should be discipling people 24-7, and somebody should be discipling us. That's the relationship. You should have a mentor in your life, and you should be mentoring someone in your life. The journey is just a curriculum we have to help you alongside and do that. And we're excited to walk with you and help you do that as well. And Pastor Joe will be with you and I will be with you and 
the elders will walk alongside with you as we do this. Man, if we, can, if we do this, it's going to change the world. It's going to change our world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. This great commission that you've laid out for us, the making disciples, baptizing and teaching them, walking alongside them, Father. I just pray that you would light a fire in everyone's heart that's here, that's even not here, that's going to be a part of Mission View Church. God, that we would be a missional church. It is not us four and then no more. It is all of us reaching out to our neighbors and our co-workers and our family members, sharing the good news of Jesus, the personal impact that it's had in our lives and the lives of our, our church family around us. God, help us to be a people on fire and passionate about our relationship with you, our world changer, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Come and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.